Welcome to the SCG Church Podcast. We'd love to have you join us for our weekend services in person in our West Auditorium. You can also tune into our service live online at scgchurch.org or live on our Facebook and YouTube pages. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning. Did I catch off guard? Good morning. Good. Hey, uh, listen, we got uh, uh, important stuff happening. We're uh, starting a fast. We do this every year, and uh, it's just a chance to get focused on uh, God and <coughs> what he wants for us and our, and our church and our families and so on. And it starts next weekend, and uh, we just kind of leave it up to you how you're going to fast. We give some uh, guidelines for different kinds of fasts. One is a Daniel fast, which has to do with changing your eating patterns, and we have uh, information on the front page of our website. Or you might want to fast from something else, like, uh, as you heard earlier, social media, any number of other things. And so uh, it's just a way to spend some um, specific focused time every day with God, a time that we wouldn't otherwise have available. Uh, we, and uh, we just want to get to know God better and figure out what it is that he wants for us and from us in the coming year. And so I encourage you to get involved in that. There's uh, stuff on the website. We'll be giving you more information next week. And the reason I'm telling you this week is because if you start the fast next week, you kind of need to prepare. Like if you're doing Daniel fast, you need to buy more fruits and vegetables than normal or whatever it is. So um, just kind of get ready get, uh, to get started. We're going to ask everybody to do something. There's just some, there's some incredible value there. And, uh, and we want you to do that with us. So that'll be, uh, I think it'll be fun. So um, yeah, last week I took a little, uh, little survey, how optimistic you were about the year. And, uh, and uh, you guys were like really optimistic. I just want to know, has it gone up or down in the, in the week uh, since then? Up, most up, up, anybody down? Same, same, same. I had my annual physical. I'm down a couple points. <laughs> Got to change my eating patterns a little bit, but that's all right. All right. So we're starting the year with a new series called um, Getting Your House in Order. And it's just kind of how to get yourself started in the new year with your relationship with God. Last week we started with, if you weren't here, you need to go back and watch it. I feel like there were some things that happened last week that may have been foundational for our experience together in the, in the year to come in our, in our spiritual development and growth. And, um, and we kind of just kind of cleaned house a little bit last week. We kind of went before God and said, hey, here's the truth about me. Please begin the healing. The, you know, because we, sometimes we try to hide from God and not, not acknowledge the truth. And you're like, God already knows that, right? So let's just kind of put it out there and let God begin the healing and the forgiveness and all the stuff we need in order to become uh, what he wants us to be and what we want to be. And uh, so we kind of started there last week. I was thinking about how uh, kind of a metaphor. So for some of you, we did a little, you know, we did a little sweeping and dusting and, you know, kind of stuff like that. Like a lot of folks who just practice like I do every day, confession, God, here's the truth about me and here's what we need to do with. And, and so we did a little, little cleaning. For some of us, it's been a while, so you kind of had to shovel out some stuff. And then, and then for some folks, you've re- never really committed to knowing Christ in a, in a way in which he is in control of your life, in charge of your life, and you receive full forgiveness, and you started with a fresh slate, and you kind of did that last week. Um, I, I had a friend many years ago, back in the Midwest, he bought a house. It was a little house, couldn't afford a big house, a little house, but it was really old, and it was in a, in a town that was a couple hundred years old, and, and uh, moved in, and the house started kind of going like this. And it was just a little, maybe, you know, one floor, 1,600 square feet, maybe even 1,200 square feet now that I think about it. And it, and it kind of, it was starting to lean. And uh, so he called a, a friend of ours, a, a contractor, and said, what do you think's going on? And the contractor looked at him and he said, well, this is about a 200-year-old house, and there's no cement. It's built on stacked rocks. And with all the freezing and thawing, the rocks are moving, and your house is, um, is going to fall apart. 
Unless we do something. He goes, oh, I can't afford you. I got you. So what they did was they put some beams, steel beams underneath it, uh, and extended quite a bit on each side. And, uh, and, they, and they jacked that thing up about 10 feet in the air. So they disconnected the power and water. They had to move out and all that stuff. They jacked it up in the air and they brought in um, like uh, bulldozer kind of things, like bobcats and stuff. And dug, not just the foundation, but my friend dug for my other friend, a whole basement. Dug a whole, now, we don't have those in California much, but in the Midwest, it's, it's a pretty important place. And uh, dug a whole basement, poured it in there. And when it was all done, they dropped the house back down on it and bolted it to it. And I think that's the picture of what some of us needed last week. We needed to have uh, some stuff just torn out that wasn't working. Some mindsets about life, some self, um, kind of self-dependency, self-initiation, selfish stuff that needed to be torn out. And now we're ready to start building back. And so today I want to talk about building strong foundations. I was watching an Orthodox priest not long ago, and I'm not sure what the context was, but I just caught this couple little paragraphs. And a part of what he was saying is that Christianity in the West, in compared to historical Christianity, has become very much about some things that, that aren't as important. Things like um, how you choose to worship uh, God, how you choose to, um, uh, to experience your faith, uh, how, how it impacts your self-image and, and, and other stuff. He said, and all those things are fine, but he said the real essence of Christianity are none of those things. The essence of Christianity is knowing God through Jesus Christ. Everything else is just benefits. It's just gravy, if you will. But if you don't know Jesus and you don't know God the Father through Jesus, then you don't have Christianity. You have something less. And I really liked what he said, because if we're going to build strong foundations, we need to build in uh, a knowledge of and a relationship with, with God through Jesus Christ. So let me, let me uh, kind of point out why we're, what we're going to talk about today. I think the first step of building foundation is knowing God. But here's what's really interesting. You don't just show up and go, okay, I'm in. And then you don't ever worry about it again. It's like, it's like I tried that with the gym, by the way. I showed up and I said, I'm in, and, um, and then I didn't go back. And uh, it, I don't know, I didn't change, I don't know why. So people have this idea that Christianity is to say, yep, I'm in, I'm good, fire escape, I don't wanna go to hell, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a Christian. But they don't do anything. Just like the gym, you gotta train. Here's what Paul said to his protege in ministry, Timothy. Here's what he said, 1 Timothy 4, 7, and 8. He said the following, have nothing to do with godless myths, and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. Train yourself. That's an interesting thing, isn't it? It's just like weightlifting. It's just like learning a new language. It is, there is a training involved. There is a set of skills in faith that we need to acquire, and it's intentional. It doesn't just happen to us. Part of why you're here today is because you want to do that. So uh, for, uh, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So here's what I want to kind of talk about. Now that we've kind of cleaned house and we need to start putting things back together, I want to start with, uh, kind of reaffirm the answer to this question. What is the best way to live life? What is the best way to live life? Well, we think scripture teaches, and we've found this to be true for ourselves. The blessed life is the best life. The blessed life, which means a life that God can bless. So we were talking about this as staff uh, at our teaching meeting this week. And one of the staff members said, well, I don't think of the blessed life as something you earn. You get certain points, like brownie points, and you, you, you can afford the blessed life. It, it, and they say it's more like putting yourself in the path of where the blessed life goes. 
And I was thinking about this. So, so when I was a kid, I came to visit my grandparents in California. And uh, a kid, I was a teenager. And we uh, slept out, a bunch of us uh, teenagers slept out on the streets to watch the Rose Bowl parade. Right on the street. Do they still do that? Does anybody do that anymore? Still do it? And um, now here's what would be really silly. Because we slept right at the curb. It would have been silly to sleep two blocks away. Because that's not where the parade was going. And a lot of us kind of do life our way, and then we think God's going to bless us. But we're not even close to the parade. We're nowhere near the parade. We're not in line for a blessing because we haven't, we haven't gone to the right spot, right? We're not in the right space in our head, in our heart, in our lives. We're not, even, we're not even on the route. And so how do we line ourselves up, get in line for blessing, to have a blessed life? Uh, starting on next week when we start the fast, uh, Autumn has written a a uh, series of uh, devotionals on the Psalms of Ascent, which are Psalm 120 through 134. They are the Psalms that the Jews would recite as they went to uh, a holy day in Jerusalem, as they ascended up to Jerusalem, they would sing these. When we go to Israel, we take trips to Israel, we read these every day as, and throughout our journey. Uh, and, but today I want to talk about the one just before that, Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is the longest psalm. It is, uh, we miss a lot in it because uh, every one of the um, stanzas begins with the succeeding letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Each of them have eight lines in them. And there's a lot of poetry and symmetry and all this stuff in there we don't get. But what we do get are the incredible golden kind of nuggets of truth about how to live God's way. So in this passage, I didn't bring the actual stats, but off the top of my head, I think there's about six or seven words. Um, each of them occurring between 19 and 25 times, each of these words do during this, this psalm. And each of them refer to how God wants you to live your life. Sometimes it says his laws, his precepts, his ways. There's about six synonyms for this same body of information that God is trying to tell us, this is the way you get in line for blessing. This is the way you live the blessed life. And so there, there are about six of these words. You'll recognize them as I read. And so what I don't want you to hear is law, as in the law, right? Because we experience the law uh, a lot of times as something that, that is against us or pushes against us. We say what is God's, so let's say you met, um, you, went to, you did go to the gym more than once, all right? Just hypothetically, whoever would do that. Um, and you decided you really want to get in shape. What would you do? You would hire a trainer, and this trainer would lay down the law on what you eat, on how much you sleep, on what exercises you're doing on what day, in order to get you where it is you want to go. Think of God's law, not as just this thing beating us down, keeping us from having fun, not wanting to, you know, us to do life our way. It, no, there is a better way. There is a better way. And God's law, his ways, his precepts are put there to teach us you were created to live life like this. The more you line up with this, the better life is. So let me begin in Psalm 119. I'm just going to do the first 16 verses today. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law. There's the beginning, the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes, another one, and seek him with all their heart. Now that's interesting because there's two things here. So keeping the rules uh, is not the only thing. Doing life the right way in relationship with God. One or the other doesn't work. If I say I'm in a relationship with God, but I don't follow his commands, I'm not really in a relationship with God. If I'm following his commands, but I'm not in a relationship with God, I'm trying to do it on willpower, and that doesn't work either. That's called legalism. So you've got to have both. You've got to be seeking God with all your heart and then living what he's teaching you. goes on. 
Um, they do no wrong, but follow his ways. And now he switches from talking about them to talking to God. Uh, you have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. In other words, it's not hard to know God's will. I don't know what God's will. Yeah, you do. Most of it. I mean, there's some nuances occasionally. Mostly, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty clear cut. And if you're going to do it, he says they're to be fully obeyed. I don't know. Is there such a thing as partial obedience? If there is, your kids will find it, right? But the reality is, is if I'm going to do life God's way, I'm going to do it fully God's way. And so I need to kind of enter into this year saying God's way is the better way. And now the question becomes, will I follow it and, and follow it daily? Will I choose God's way and choose it daily? You don't choose it once, put your hand up and you're good. You got to keep going back to the gym. Okay. You got to keep growing in that thing. So will I choose God's way consistently? Verse five. Oh, that my ways were steadfast. That's a critical word right there. Steadfast, steadfast. I'm not, so here's a part of what happens. We, especially in uh, the short news cycle, social media era, where there is something happening 24 seven, some new piece of news, some new thing come out. And if your life is dependent on that, if you were, so how are you doing today? Well, I just watched, looked at the stock market and are you still a Christian? Are you still loved by God? Well, yeah. Are you still loved by God? Are you still going to heaven? Then why is your first point of reference? I looked at the stock market right? Isn't that right? We evaluate how we're doing based on something external to ourselves. And a part of what we're going to learn in this to be steadfast is to make our relationship with God the most important thing, and not just barely the most important thing, but significantly greater than anything else. Okay. So, um, and a part of learning to do this is acquiring faith skills. Skills in faith is learning to live according to God's promises and not the circumstances that I'm living in. Um, developing the inner life that'll sustain me in difficult times. So uh, there's a guy named E. Stanley Jones, beginning of the last century, famous Christian guy, writer, speaker, stuff. Um, toward the end of his life, uh, he had a stroke and was greatly um, diminished physically. He couldn't travel. He couldn't do most of the things he'd done most of his life. Um, a local bishop that had been an acquaintance who had retired came to visit him, and they were talking. And so on. And finally, the bishop said to E. Stanley Jones, he says, I have to tell you, I am, I am confused. He said, I recently um, retired from being a bishop and I am lost. I don't get invitations to speak. I don't have important meetings. Nobody calls me the bishop anymore. He says, I have to be honest. I'm a little lost, but I'm looking at you and you have been greatly uh, uh, diminished physically uh, by the stroke that you've experienced, and yet your spirit, your attitude, your sense of peace and contentment hasn't diminished at all. It, please explain, explain that to me. Are you really doing as well as you seem to be doing? E. Stanley Jones says, yes, and here's why. He said, because all the time that I was traveling and speaking and writing and doing all this stuff, that had nothing to do with who I was. That whole time I was building the inner strands that supported who I really was. The inner strands are things like, God loves me. I'm a child of God. I've been forgiven. I'm becoming more like Jesus. My inner world was rich. And when the stroke took away my ability to walk and, and, and affected my speech, it didn't take away anything about who I am. And the point of growing spiritually is to be steadfast, regardless of what happens around us. I was uh, listening to a young atheist um, speak. I'll say, I started to say pontificate, but let's say speak uh, about how there is no God. And if there is a God, he's so unfair because he puts all these restrictions upon us. 
And I, I thought to myself, that's really sad. Because this kid, from an outside perspective, thinks that God put all of his laws, his statutes, uh, the way out there to diminish our lives. It's quite the opposite. Yesterday, I was doing my prayer time, and you know I write my prayers because, you know, shiny stuff. And, uh, and, and I get distracted easily, so I write my prayers. I have for many years, not all prayers, but my daily prayers, my formal prayer time. And, uh, and um, I found myself writing something to the effect of, Lord, I am so thankful to be here because when I come here, I never have to worry about thinking that I am unseen or unheard, uncared for, unloved or insignificant. Because in this time here with you, God, I know that I am loved. I am cared for. I am seen and heard and I matter. And whether anybody else, anywhere else thinks so, I know that I know in this moment, I'm good. See, you compare that to the young atheist. I don't know what he's talking about. He's talking about some religion, some, I don't know. But what I'm talking about is relationship with my Savior. I'm talking about a God who loves me and cares for me. And so when he gives me ways to live my life better, I don't reject them. I don't shrink from them. I don't always pull them off, by the way. But I know that they are good. And the more steadfast that I become in that, the more consistent I become in that, the better my life works. goes on, he says, Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. In other words, I wouldn't be so embarrassed by my own sinfulness and failures. I will praise you with an upright heart. By the way, an upright heart. Uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but our heart's um, natural tendency is not upright. <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, downright embarrassing. That's what it is. When, if you think about what your heart goes to, so I don't know if you've ever thought about this. Where does your mind go when you just kind of turn it off. It doesn't go to good places. It doesn't think about noble things. It doesn't think about heroic things. It goes to the basis desires. You follow me? Does that make sense to you? Our heart doesn't just maintain itself in cleanliness before God. That's why this has to be a consistent choice. We have to go to God just like we did last week every day and say, God, here's the truth about me. I kind of wandered over here, but thanks for bringing me back. I'm sorry about that one. Help me do better today. My mind just kind of went this way. My attitude kind of went south there for a while. And because our heart does not stay upright without consistent intervention by God and invitation to God to work in us. And so this steadfastness comes from a daily choosing that I'm going to live God's, God's way. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. So the best life is the blessed life. I want to choose the blessed life every single day. So how do I do that? So when they pour concrete, they put rebar in it. I don't know if you know what rebar is. It's just metal bars. They put it in there uh, to help the concrete be stable and to be solid and, and to not crack and, and give in to different pressures or whatever. And so they put that in there. So how do we put something into our intention, the intention of living in a relationship with God, our intention to live life God's way? What do we put in? How do we put rebar in that? How do we put a little, a little strength in that thing? Well, they're called spiritual disciplines. They're called practices. If we put in advance, I pre-choose that I'm going I'm to follow God's way, and I help myself by putting in things in place that aren't so like, I'm going to go to the gym tomorrow, I'm going to work out, I'm going to meet my friend there. That's called accountability, because if I don't show up, I'm going to pick the kind of friend who's going to give me grief, and they're going to embarrass me, because there's a little, little something in that, right? 
when we choose to grow in God, we can put in habits, we can put in spiritual disciplines that will help us grow. So this next section, 9 through 16, as I was reading this, some spiritual disciplines came to mind. So I'm going to ask you to listen to these, and I'm going to ask you to choose one or two of these. So listen to what they are. And they aren't um, an exclusive or an exhaustive list. They're just some thoughts. So here's where it starts. Verse 9. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. Here's some things he's going to do. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. It's all about knowing God and knowing his word. Knowing God, knowing his word. So I, I, have, some, I, I have some suggestions for some some. Um, spiritual disciplines that you might put in place that will help you grow and help me grow this year, right? First one, I'll seek to know God personally. I'll seek to know God personally. I read a a commentator this week, and I'm not sure what I think about this, but it was kind of an interesting point. He says, he said, I think, this commentator, when the fall happened, you know what the fall is when Adam and Eve blew it and got kicked out of the garden and our, our relationship with God changed forever? When that happened, we maintained all of our other appetites at the same level, but our appetite to know God diminished. In other words, you want food just as much as you ever did. You want sex as much as you ever did, but you have lost the understanding of how much you need God. And that a part of making these choices is to realign ourselves with the most important appetite I can have is to know God. That's the most important thing I can desire is to know God. And so choosing that I'm going to know God personally this year may be the most important decision you make all year. Tim Keller says it this way. It's a way to measure your spiritual growth. Pursuing holiness. Are you pursuing holiness as vigorously as you pursue any other pursuit in your life? Are you pursuing, is knowing God as an important priority as anything else in your life? That's where we start. With that in mind, I'm going to to recommend that all of us spend time with God every day. So, well, that's not life-changing. What well, is life-changing, actually? It's not new, but it is life-changing. Spending time with God. And, and by the way, um, thanking God for your meal, that doesn't count. I mean, depending on the cook, you may want to pray for your food. But, um, but just daily, just time with God. Just spend time with God. It's as simple, and I've, I've taught this for years. I use it myself. Uh, it's just a simple axe, acrostic axe. A for adoration. Start with talking about who God is. God, you are great. You are I just read this in Scripture. God, I learned this about you. This is who you are. C is for confession. Confession. This is the truth about me. This is you. This is me. <laughs> and I'm sorry that I, this is me because I didn't mean to do that. Yes, I didn't intend to do that. I need your help on, on that. And Thanksgiving, Lord, thank you for all that you've done for me, all that you've given me that I don't deserve, the people you've brought to my life that I don't deserve, just Thanksgiving. And then finally, supplication. Lord, here's what I need. By the way, we always want to start with here's what I need. But if you talk about God first, acknowledge the truth about you and about what God has done for you, then you're going to ask for different things. Your needs will change because you realize I kind of cause this one myself. I don't need to be extricated. I need to grow through it or whatever. Does that make sense? It's just that simple. So I'm going to ask you, uh, all of us, to just put somewhere in your calendar an opportunity. It could be in the morning. It could be at night. Time to spend with God every day. Just time with God. Just not like, hey, Lord, eh, good to see you. Good. No, no, sit down. Have a place and a time. It doesn't have to be two hours. It would be great if it was. It could be 10 minutes. Just time with God. Don't say you're in a relationship with God if you're not. 
be in a relationship with God every day. Because what you're going to find is it empowers you. Just like I talked about my prayer time yesterday, it just kind of filled me up and I was ready to go again. The self-doubt disappeared. The questions disappeared. Sense of entitlement disappears. Whatever it is you're struggling with, having that prayer time with God will make all the difference. So I call it DQT, daily quiet time. Just daily quiet time. Just get it in there and read a little bit of God's word. Just to, you'll be shocked the minimum amount of investment uh, that you, have, you can make and see a difference in your life. The next one is I've hidden your word in my heart. This has to do with scripture, memorizing scripture. If you memorize God's word, he will bring those to your mind at the most appropriate moments. Whether you're sharing your faith with someone or you're dealing with temptation, God's word will help you. That's what Jesus did when he was tempted in the desert. He just quoted God's word. Memorize God's word. Some of you, well, I'm not good at memorization. Well, I'm not either, but I can learn a song. Most of the songs we sing out here come from scripture. Find some scripture songs and memorize those. Sing along with them so you get God's word in your heart. It's incredibly powerful. Choose, maybe you want to choose that this year. Another one is praise be to God. This is really interesting. Verse 12, praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. Is it possible that praise precedes learning? That if I bring, the Bible talks about sacrifice of praise. I don't know if anybody's ever come to church when you just didn't feel like being there that day. Some Sunday mornings kind of has to remind me, but you're the pastor. Not often, but occasionally. And when sometimes we come and we praise God when we don't really feel like it, it's called a sacrifice of praise. I just come and I give a sacrifice. Is it possible that I need to make a sacrifice of praise before I have a teachable spirit? In other words, praising God sets me up to learn what God wants to teach me. So what can you do? What can you put in your calendar that would help you just on a consistent basis, on a regular basis, engage in praise so that God can teach you? What would it be? Let me see. Is there something that happens? Let me, maybe on a weekly basis where they're like really good singers who lead in praise and offering the opportunity to learn. Or Can I just challenge you right now in January, the second full weekend in January, to just write down how many weeks you want to go to church this year? How many weeks do you want to be in church? Now, you may be, you say, I'm on a vacation, I'm traveling. I've heard that there are churches in other places. <laughs> I've not heard that many of them are good, but I've heard. <laughs> I, you know, back in the day when we walked uphill to school barefoot in the snow, both ways, um, my parents dragged me to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and revivals. I've actually been left asleep under the front pew because my mom thought my dad took me and my dad thought my mom took me. I slept on the front pew until they realized I wasn't there. It explains things, doesn't it? (laughs) Can I just say to you, if you're a parent or even a grandparent, one of the greatest things you can do is just show the discipline of going to church. My grandfather, the bootlegger criminal guy who became a Christian, from that day forward never missed a day of church until he ended up in the hospital with heart problems right before his death. It was just a rule. We don't miss church. It was just a discipline. Well, maybe nothing happens in church. Maybe it doesn't, and maybe it will. It's an opportunity. Remember, praise precedes learning. It's an opportunity to honor God in praise and worship. And you can do it on your own, too. Absolutely should, for sure. But being there in God's presence with God's people will open up the path for God to teach you something if you're willing. So I'm going to challenge you. Write down how many weeks. And if you're a little embarrassed about the number you pick, good. Up it. Put it up because it is power. You're saying, well, you're just trying to get us here. No, I'm probably not going to notice if you're here or not. (laughs) 
I'll tell you who will notice. God, your children, the people who are watching to see if your faith is real. Just put a number. I don't think 50 is too high. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't think it is. If we're serious about knowing God, let's write some things in. Let's be accountable to those things. Let's, let's get it done. Man, it got quiet. Some of you don't love me right now. It's okay. God will work on you. It says, with my lips, I'll recount all the laws that come from your mouth. As a kid, I used to say, oh, I can't do that. It's against my religion. What a wimp. The truth is that there are things that you choose not to do. I just had a conversation on Friday um, about alcohol and why I don't drink alcohol. I, don't, I think the Bible talks about wine. And I don't think it prohibits from drinking alcohol. But I think that I would not be honoring God, especially the way I drink iced tea and other things. I would not honor God by drinking alcohol. And so I had this whole conversation with someone from a whole different culture, different country, about alcohol. And he was, he was so interested as I explained that, no, it's just something I choose not to do ever of any kind because I just don't think that's what God is going to use in my life to help me be more like Jesus. It was a great opportunity. I would challenge you to take an opportunity to tell someone why you live differently. That's assuming you do live differently. That there are some things you don't do and some other things you do, like this fast coming up. Why are you fasting? Because, you know, I just need to stop once a year and take a little time out and, and spend time with God. I need to make sure that there's nothing more important than God. What an interesting way to do two things, to witness to someone about the power of the gospel and then to be held accountable to that. That's what it says here in the Psalms. It goes on and it says in verse 14, I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. In other words, the most powerful, valuable thing in your life is God's guidance. That's the most powerful. It's God's presence and God's guidance. Rejoice in that. Learn to, to, to do that. One of the ways that you might want to rejoice is just keep a, a, a list of thanksgiving. Writing down when I see that my following God is better for me than if I hadn't been following God. Again and again, there are times where I just go, man, I really wish this would happen. And later I find out if that happened, it would have been a disaster. God's way is better. And if you just keep a list of that, keep a little, that's one of the reasons I write my prayers. I can go back and look at it and go, yep, God was right on that one. Yep, God was right on that one. Yep, I don't know about that one yet, but I think God was probably right. Just a way to rejoice. And then um, in verse 15, I meditate on your precepts, consider your ways. Meditation on scripture is not just blanking your mind. It is taking a, a portion of scripture and thinking about it, just thinking about it. You might want to do a little research on it. You might want to understand what it meant to the people it was written to, what the timeless principle is that you're to take with you and apply it to your life. And uh, there's a study by, I don't have time to read it, I have it with me, but there's a study by Paul Amire, a doctor, a psychiatrist. And he, and he did a study of uh, seminary students and uh, mental health. And, he, and there were some who were far and away much healthier than the, the, so a third, basically a third of them were far and away healthier than the other. And, and so he wanted to figure out what, the, what, what commonality those in that top layer had. And the only commonality... And it was so prevalent that it couldn't be uh, just a, a fluke. It was, it was the cause. Is that in that top third, every one of those students practiced meditating in Scripture for three years at least. In other words, for three years, they'd be practicing just on a regular basis, taking the Scripture and thinking about it and just applying it and understanding it. And he said it made the hugest difference in their mental health. It made the biggest difference in their mental health. 
sometimes we think that it's this or that or the other thing. What if we just began to take in God's word in such a way that it brought peace and calm and assurance and all the things that we're trying to find everywhere else? This is statistically proven. Children memorizing scripture, by the way, uh, in, 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 um, makes a, helps them get better grades. Scripture is powerful. It is a powerful thing. And then lastly, uh, delight in your decrees. Learn to delight in the deeper things of God. Learn to delight. One of the things I suggest is you find and practice some new spiritual disciplines. You're saying, what are those? There are all kinds. There are books. There are lots of books I can recommend to you. Um, John Ortberg has one. Foster has one. Uh, there's lots of them. Um, Bridges has one. There's lots of books, just things that will make you take a time out and think about and grow in your relationship with God. It could be slowing. If you're like crazy busy all the time, just slowing, just slowing down and thinking about God. Silence. Thinking about God. Mother Teresa used to say, if I don't spend time in silence with God, I have nothing to say to anyone. Because anything I would say outside of that is for me and has no eternal value. But if I spend time with God and I have something to share with someone, it's of eternal value because it comes from him. Finding just, just opportunity, this fasting opportunity. Try fasting. You've never done it, try it. Just skip a meal a day. Skip a meal a day and spend that time reading God's word and talking to God. And you're going, that sounds weird. Okay, try it anyway. You might be surprised what happens in that. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your phone out. I want you to take your phone out in church. That's right. And I'm going to invite the band back. I want you to make an appointment right now. You ever have somebody say, hey, let's do lunch sometime. Right? You know what that means? We're never having lunch sometime. Because <laughs> if I really want to have lunch with you, I'd take my phone out right now and we would put it in the calendar, wouldn't we? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to make an appointment with God. Because we can all have great intentions. Oh, I'm going to do better this year. I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm going to, let's, well, okay, let's do it. Right in there, daily quiet time. Right in your schedule, daily quiet time. And then pick one of these others. Pick one. And, and, and just, I'm going to do this this year. I'm going, to, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try a new discipline. Every month, I'm going to try a new discipline for one hour a, a week. Just, just write something in there. Get started building that foundation. Write something in there. I'm going to memorize 14 scriptures this year. 14 is better than nothing. 14, that's a good one. I'm, I'm going to learn to meditate on scripture. I'm going to figure out how to do this. I'm going to read some books on meditating on scripture, different than other meditations on scripture. I'm going to learn how to do that this year. And so every Tuesday at 1130, I'm going to spend a half hour learning to meditate. I want you to write something, get something on the calendar. If you're serious about this, because what we are and who we are next time this year, next year, this time will depend on what we choose to do now. So choose to do something, find a way to put something in that's going to help you grow. And let's not just talk about it. Let's do it. Let's become who God wants us to be. And let's see. So here's the difference between weightlifting and, and Christianity. <laughs> Might be more than one. Who knows? Weightlifting, you get out of it what you put into it. Christianity, you got exponentially more. Exponentially. Because what happens is you take one little step toward God. He just blows you up with blessings. He just fills you up with things that you didn't deserve. It's not a one-to-one -one correlation in any way. It is exponentially greater on his part. He will give you more than you can ever give, but you got to give something. You got to give a little time. You got to make yourself available. You got to camp out on the right corner so the blessing parade comes past you. So, and there are ways to do this. It's not mystical. You just spend time with God. And then what happens is a bit of a mystery. Why he is so good to us and how he's so good to us. But I invite you into that mystery. 
by just choosing to do one or two things. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much. We have a whole year ahead of us. Thank you for the gift of another year. We may not get to finish the whole year. Some of us may not make it, but you've given us the start of a new year, a new opportunity, a fresh start. Let us step into this, Lord God. Let us get our priorities straight. Let us put you in our calendar first before anything else. Let us make sure that we are drawing close to you so that everything else we do is different. Everything else that we do is blessed by you, is ordained by you. Lord God, let us honor you with the first fruits of our time and our energy our focus, our attention. So Lord God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for letting us know you. Thank you for giving us your word to guide us, to build a structure for our future growth and development as we train ourselves with your help in godliness. And Lord God, I pray that you will meet us, that those times of prayer, those times of of communion with you would be so powerful that they don't become optional. They become a necessity in our minds because they really are. And so, Lord, we love you. We thank you. Ask you to guide us now. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Thanks for being here. Have a great week. We hope you enjoyed this message. And remember, we have live services on Saturday evenings and Sunday mornings in our West Auditorium. Or you can watch live online at scgchurch.org or on our YouTube and Facebook.